Our first guest tonight was here once before with some of the most uh, awful-looking horror film special effects we've ever seen. His credits include Dawn of the Dead, Creep Show, The Burning, and a whole slew of Friday the 13th movies. Please say hello again to Mr. Tom Savini. Tom, nice to see you again. Anytime you work with Tom Savini, you better have your A game. Tom Savini is one of the best in the field. His job is to scare you out of your wits. Tom was literally the one guy who became a household name. You can't say horror movies without thinking about Savini. Because I think of makeup effects as magic tricks. I mean, he could pull things out of his butt, you know, at the last minute. When Tom Savini and George Romero began working together, they became heroes of independent cinema. The guy's doing the effects and he's acting. I always admired people who did more than one job. Makeup effects to me was to get my foot in the door as an actor. I was wanting to be an actor. He bit my finger clean off! These makeup effects and everything, there was a realism to it. There's probably very seldomly been that much blood used in one death scene. Tom showed me early on that you can have fun. My father is the epitome of never growing up. Are we all together? Gentlemen, good afternoon. Jeff in Las Vegas. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. Hey, are you going? Are you going to Days of the Dead in Las Vegas? When is it? The Days of the Dead show? When is it? I thought it was now or this weekend. Is it this weekend? I, I, think, I think so. Okay. Well, if it is here, I'll be there. I just been so so busy. I haven't had time to look outside my office here. But if it's here, yeah, I'm always at those conventions. Tom Savini, I am literally just in front of Hollywood royalty. I'm speechless, and I just thank you so much for joining me today. I've been a lifelong fan of yours. You know, I'm Generation X, and and uh, you know, I've heard you've heard this story from thousands of fans over the decades. But I just here's my moment to say thank you so much, and it's a true honor to speak to you today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, and also, you know, Jason, thank you for a wonderful documentary. It's just, uh, I learned so much about this man, actor, director, stuntman, makeup legend, military veteran. I mean, putting this documentary together, I mean, where did you start? What a daunting task. Well, thank you. Hi. Wow. I mean, yeah, we, it, it took a while. It was, it took a lot to cipher through everything. So just trying to figure out what would be the best story just talking with Tom and just kind of learning everything first and then going from there. So, and I, I have kept so many uh, uh, behind the scenes videos of just about every movie I've worked on, you know, except for Dawn of the Dead. We were too busy making that one to even take any photos, but I had clipping books and, uh, and I, like I said, the, all this behind the scenes video but he had a he had a clear cut idea, Jason, about making it very personal because everybody knows about you know what they read in Fango, you know, in my movie career, but they didn't know any personal stuff, and that's what he wanted to concentrate on. Yeah, that's I came away, Tom, knowing so much about you, so much more respect for you and admiration. And how many similarities, even though I'm Generation X and you're you're before me, how many similarities we have for movie going experiences. Uh, for example, you know, you had a movie that changed uh, your life, The Man with a Thousand Faces, you know, and I had the similar experience when I saw uh, Close Encounters of the First, First Kind, excuse me, Third Kind, when I was 12. And like you, I always thought movies were real. 
And when I saw Close Encounters, that was the first time I said to myself, well, who are these names? You know, who's, what's a director? What's a producer? And it was the first time that, that got me to me want to be a filmmaker and go to film school. So, Well, um, that's too bad. I'm sorry to hear that because that magic all of a sudden was gone forever. The magic of, I, you know, I wish I could see a movie again through the eyes of a nine-year-old child where you do believe everything is real, you know? But, you know, it's replaced. It's, it's replaced by a different magic, the magic of creativity. I wish I could go back and just go to the movies when people weren't on their damn cell phones. That would be <laughs> yeah, true. You know, and, and Jason, putting this documentary together, collecting all the footage and, and interviews, what, what was the most challenging aspect of producing this? Getting the new interviews or, or where was that line? Because there was so many, it's almost like you needed a Library of Congress assistant to go through all this stuff. We did, we had, a, we had a really good team, but luckily again, like Tom just said, Tom has a vast, vast archive of photos, behind the scenes videos and everything. So luckily that was, hunting that stuff down wasn't as hard as people would, you would think it would be because Tom has everything. Yeah, but um, you had a, you had a, you had a great story on the previous interview, Jason, where he, he was talking about, you know, if you wanted to get Alice Cooper, yeah, Alice Cooper would say, yeah, I'd love to be in this. And he wasn't available for three months. Or, I, you know, he wanted me to sit down because it took seven years to make this. So he wanted yeah, me, to, the, do, that he was wanted me to do interviews. And, you know, I had to go away and do Django Unchained. So he had to wait for me to come back for that. But there's more examples, yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, again, that was like we were talking earlier today was uh, one of the things that was really fun about this was every time we'd sit down and do an interview with Tom, it was almost like a therapy session where, you know, like when you meet with a therapist, you don't tell them your deepest, darkest secrets or your insecurities on the first session, you kind of work up to it. And that's kind of how we worked with Tom was, you know, the first interview, we'd kind of talk about just work and puff piece and, you know, it's like, hey, Tom, what's it like being awesome? you know, that sort of thing. And then by like interview four or five, we would, you know, get into some of his marriages and Vietnam and some of the more deeper issues. And what was funny was by doing so, we'd, we'd sit down with Tom and we'd interview him for, you know, two hours, call it a night, pack up everything. About an hour later, Tom would call and be like, oh my God, I just remembered this from my childhood. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's really important, Tom. We need to, <laughs> we should probably put that in this film. And then he would be like, yeah, we're, we'll all be available in six weeks when I get back from Machete Kills or, you know, this or that. So it, it definitely was, it was a process, but it was a, it was a fun process. And, um, you know, and I've, I've said it several times, again, there's, there's a lot of single mom stories out there, there's, but there's not a lot of single dad stories. And, you know, Tom, you know, and I think that was sort of one of the original pitches I had for Tom was, I, I say this all the time. I didn't want to tell the story of the guy who just went and threw a bunch of fake blood all over the Monroeville Mall. I want to tell the story of the guy who threw a bunch of fake blood all over the Monroeville Mall and then was home in time to make sure his daughter was off to school. And to me, that is the story that intrigues me way more than just making monsters is that it's like, how do you do this and raise a kid and do it from Pittsburgh? Yeah, absolutely. And after watching this documentary, I felt like I've known Tom my whole life. You know, it's, it's that, that kind of emotional connection. Yeah. It has, it has a lot of heart. Absolutely. And another you know, thing- We always, the crew and I, us, we always make, we always joke with Tom about how he's, Tom's the old Italian mother in a bodybuilder's body, where <laughs> it's just like the moment we come in, he just like shoves food to our gills down our throats. And like, no matter what, like we could literally just come from Thanksgiving and he's like, well, too bad. I just made a pizza you're eating. <laughs> and, um, 
but you know, it's just, it's all with love and just wonderful, wonderful person. Absolutely. And I guess I, I scared him off. You did. He's back. Oh. <laughs> you know, Tom, one thing, right. uh, one, uh, he's always directing one, uh, one aspect I love the documentary is that when I was a little boy, you know, Famous Monsters of Filmland was like my Bible. And I mean, I carried issues with me to school. I shared them with my friends, you know, and in the early 70s. And one of my dreams was to get to the Ackerman Mansion, which I did, never did. Never got to meet Forrest Ackerman. And I was wondering, did you ever get to meet Forrest? And, and did you get to the mansion? Of course, many times. Many times. I mean, one time I was there, he, he brought out Claude Rains's cake from the Phantom of the Opera and put it on me. We were walking around the basement with all his collectibles and uh, the Lon Chaney makeup kit was there. And I was fascinated because the London After Midnight teeth were in it. The, the gutta percha, which is a dental wax. And he, he was so, he wanted me to come to show me something else, you know, but I was, you know, I was concentrating on the makeup kit. He was getting annoyed that I wasn't coming and following him for the, I guess he was going to show me something else of Lon Chaney. But um, no, he was uh, he was a character, uh, and I've been to the mansion. One time, I went into the mansion. And it was Ray Bradbury's birthday, and they were having a party for Ray Bradbury in the living room. You know, no, he was uh, he was a trip. He put the Dracula ring on my finger. Did he? That's uh, the one Bailiff wore in Dracula. He always wore that ring, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Well, until somebody somebody stole it. No, somebody stole it from his uh, his house. So it's out there somewhere, huh? But I know. I think. I think Joe Mo told me he he did get it back somehow, you know. But I I have a replica of it that I wear at conventions, you know, Dracula's crest ring, you know. That's so cool, you know. Um, growing up, we also had when I was a little boy, we had the Vegas Vampire, and he was on every weekend. He would show horror films, and then of course in the '90s and the 2000s, we had Count Cool Rider, who uh, Danny Coker, who's on Counting Cars on the History Channel, you know. So he brought back that for ten years. So we so you were. You were born and raised in Las Vegas. I was, yes. And you're yes. and you're still there. I've been here my whole life, fifty-five wow. years. Yeah, and wow. but I mean, watching the Vegas Vampire and writing letters to him and watching those horror films on weekends, you know, for someone before puberty, you know, it was such a great experience. And uh, I, that that's it's just amazing how many similarities you know you had in Pittsburgh and around the country, and how you know Jason, you found all that footage and the interviews with the the original host. You know, I, it's just fascinating that. You could put all this together. So, so it's such a complex issue. Well, in, uh, in 1958, my cousin came over and he knew I was into makeup and horror and monsters, you know, because I was always talking about them. He said, you know, there's a there's a monster magazine in the drugstore up the street, Bloomfield Drugstore. And I went and issue number four of Famous Monsters was on the shelf. And it was 35 cents, I think. I bought it and I immediately sent for the past issues. So I got number one, number two, number three, and I still have uh, uh, number one in excellent condition in plastic. Well, I, I have the whole, I have every every famous monsters upstairs, you know. But I collected them in person, starting with issue four, you know, which those was the Martian from War of the Worlds. It's so hard to get those issues, even when they came out originally. They always sold out. So. Yeah, uh, I think I'm going to have to eventually square up with Phil Noble because we can never <laughs> afford Fangoria. So we kind of just under the shirt a few times when I was a kid. Didn't I, didn't I give you, didn't I give you an issue yes, one? Yes, I do. I have your childhood number one, Famous Monsters. Okay. There's a lot of miles on that thing, but <laughs> the sentimental value makes it priceless. 
I think famous monsters of Finland back issues have more wear and tear than comic books. I really do. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, when I saw Man of a Thousand Faces, you know, after that, I thought James Cagney was Lon Chaney <laughs> until I found famous monsters and saw the real Lon Chaney in their pages, you know. Well, and, uh, you know, I could be here all day with you, gentlemen. I, but, Tom, I have one story I want you to tell me if it was true. And I heard, I don't know if it was, I think it was Day of the Dead when you had the climactic scene where the zombies rip him apart. Uh, the power went out over the weekend before you shot that sequence and all the entrails and everything were spoiled. Is oh, no, that, no, 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 no. That didn't we had happen? A, we had a, a five-gallon drum of pig intestines. Right. And we used, we used it over and over again. And of course, it went back in the refrigerator. Now, we went to Florida for two, three weeks, and someone had unplugged the refrigerator. So those guts rotted for weeks. And Greg Nicotero was gut boy. He was in charge of the pig intestines. So, and we would call, oh, gut boy, and he would go get the intestines. Well, that, that night, two o'clock in the morning, he came and he, he was in shock. Because the smell was unbelievable, and but we had to use them. You know, you can't go out at two o'clock in the morning and get new pig intestines. You know, so we protected ourselves with, you know, gas masks and English leather on our lips. And but Joe Pilato, we couldn't protect him because you would see it. So he he was trapped in that floor for at least three hours, smelling that for oh. hours. He was ready to puke when it was over. And the actors had to that rotting flesh, right? They had to... Well, they pretended, like Tasso, my friend, he would grab a bunch of it and bring it toward his face and, and turn his face away, like, so he wasn't getting near his mouth. But he's the one that had wax up his nose, and yeah, he was totally protected, you know. That's amazing. It's one of my favorite stories. Well, Jason, Tom, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been just a total thrill. Wonderful documentary. It's just, it's just what, a, what an amazing way to kick off October and Halloween. And well, uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you for joining me. And, you know, Tom, I hope to meet you in person someday at one of the conventions. I love going to all of them. So, Well, remind me that we did this if you do. Absolutely. Thank you so okay. much. And best of luck well. with the documentary. Thank, thank you. you so much, thank man. you kindly.